0: Um, Today's the third Sunday of the Coptic New Year, and uh, we all just heard the story of Zacchaeus. Uh, It's a very famous um, story. Um, He was the leader of the tax collectors, chief of the tax collectors. He was a very, very rich man. Uh, And in this story, we have lots of pieces of of different parts of Christ's teaching. Um, Christ often spoke that money is the root of all evil and that you cannot worship God and mammon. Uh, And in the chapter right before this, Luke 18, um, in the gospel, is the story of the rich youth who um, went away sad because he had many possessions. And Jesus then said, it is harder to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And that passage, that story ends with, but with uh, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Um, and today is a testimony to that exact verse. What is impossible with men is possible with God. And so the gospel teaches us that Christ never leaves anyone that has any hope of repentance whatsoever. He looks for that lost sheep, and he's willing, as the, as the parable says, to forsake the 99 and go after the one that is lost. And one of the prophecies uh, about Christ in the book of Isaiah is a bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he would not quench. I'll say it again. A bruised reed he would not break and a smoldering wick he would not quench. So in his, goth- in his Gospel, Matthew repeats this when he meditates on the way Jesus lived his life. Another translation says, he will not put out a flickering candle. So you imagine this candle that's just flickering and Christ doesn't put it out. And of course, I am that flickering candle And I feel like that so many times. I have very little faith. My prayers are so weak. My resistance to sin is so weak. Um, And today is a story about a very famous flickering candle that Christ did not quench, Zacchaeus. And so the question is why did Zacchaeus wanna see Jesus? Well, he was famous. He did miracles. He was controversial. He was hated by the Pharisees, all good reasons to see anybody. But maybe there's another possible reason. It was said about Christ that he loved tax collectors and sinners, that was kind of his tagline. And so maybe Zacchaeus thought to himself, you know, there isn't a single person in this country that likes me or can even stand to look at me. And he's hated by everybody. So if you've ever seen the series The Chosen, uh, it has a story which may or may not be true but it doesn't really matter because it could be true that Matthew uh, as a tax collector had been estranged from his family and that his family didn't even want to eat with him because he had become a tax collector and they hated what he had done so much. So here, Zacchaeus hears about this guy that likes his kind and now he's just curious. And all humans, they want to find that person that loves them and of course I like to hang out with people that like to hang out with me and that want to be with me. And how do I want people to love me? I want them to love me unconditionally. So you're gonna love me even though I'm a tax collector. And that's just a strange thought for him. So Zacchaeus wants to see this this Jesus guy. And the issue, he's short. And St. Cyril the Great says that his shortness isn't just physical, but it's also spiritual. He's lacking spirituality. He loved money more than God, more than anything else. And so there was something blocking his path back to God, something artificial that wasn't supposed to be there. So he couldn't see Christ. Saint Ephraim meditates on this gospel and he says although the gospel starts that Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, the story ends a bit differently. The gospel says that Jesus looked up and saw him and of all the people that were surrounding Jesus, the crowds that were surrounding Jesus, at that moment Christ saw him. Said another way, Jesus wanted to see Christ but did he ever imagine that Christ would see him? And I want to focus on that. In the same same vein, in the story of the sinful woman, it says that this woman came into Simon's house, she's crying with tears, and she's washing, you know, Jesus' feet with her tears. And um, she just walked into his living room, right? So she walks right into Simon's house, a Pharisee. And these houses aren't very big, right? So you can imagine this living room is this tiny little area. She's uninvited, and The room isn't very big, and in light of all of this, Christ says something to Simon that's really odd. He says what? Do you see this woman? Well, yeah, of course I see her. There's this this tiny little place. This woman walks in uninvited. She's crying and making a scene in my living room. Yeah, I, I see her, but that's obviously not what Christ is asking. Do you see her? And that's what happened today. Zacchaeus was seen by Christ. And why, why did Jesus see Zacchaeus? Because he was looking for him. And why was he looking for him? Because he was the lost one. I want to read you a story. I'm going to kind of butcher it, but there's this priest named Father Greg Boyle who does a lot of service up here in Los Angeles with ex-gang members. And he rehabilitates them uh, back into society. And he took one of them with him to D.C. for a big uh, function with, at the White House. And I'll read it to you. He said he took one of them, Gabriel, to the White House for a function, and on the plane ride home, Gabriel got up to use the bathroom and did not return for about 20 minutes. Father Greg asked him why he took so long. And Gabriel pointed to the flight attendant and said he'd been talking to that lady. Was that OK, Gabriel said. It depends on what you said to her, Boyle said. Remember, he's an ex-gang member. The flight attendant had seen Gabriel's homeboy shirt, that's the name of the organization, and asked a lot of questions about it. He told her all about how they remove tattoos and how he watches his enemies bake croissants together now. He told her that we made history, three gang members having dinner at the White House, and then he told her that the food was nasty. When he said that, the flight attendant started crying. Gabriel thought maybe he upset her. And then Father Greg said to him this beautiful phrase, she just caught a glimpse of you, who you really are. And Father Greg continued, you are somebody she recognized as the shape of God's heart. People cry sometimes when they see that. And it was that like that moment, she saw him. In Matthew 21, it says, Jesus said to them, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering kingdom of God, the kingdom of God ahead of you. And after hearing that, I want to add former gang members as well. So let's go back. Today's gospel goes and um, wants to focus on that look that Christ gave to Zacchaeus. And he said he just wanted to go into his house. And that's what Christ said to him. Today, I will stay at your house. So when Jesus says to Zacchaeus, today I'm going to stay at your house, who is the only one on earth with the power to stop this? Who can stop this? Zacchaeus. And what would have stopped him? Maybe the shame of his past actions. I mean, because if Zacchaeus really knew the glory of the person that was talking to him and fully comprehended the depravity of his own actions, then he certainly would have not let Christ come into his house. Imagine somewhere, someone here in the back of the church is known to have stolen money from the people at this church. He's known to have driven widows into prostitution because he had taken their money from them and cheated them. Someone who caused children to be taken away from their parents and sold into slavery because he decided to extract money from them he knew they didn't have. Imagine if that person's sitting in the back of this church now, and we all know who it is. And then Pope Toedrus walks in. And he walks right up to this guy And he says, I want to come to your house today and eat with you. How would we react? How would that person react? I imagine that person would put his face down and say, uh, say, Sayyidina, really, I'm not worthy for you to come into my house. Going back to Zacchaeus, if he really got his sinfulness and God's goodness, would would he have agreed to have dinner with him? Probably not. He probably would have said, I'm not worthy of such an honor. In fact, that's exactly what the centurion said to Jesus, isn't it? We quote the centurion in the the prayer after communion, Lord, I'm not worthy that you come under the roof of my house. So then why did Zacchaeus let him in? It's because he didn't see his sin as all that bad. He wasn't really all that repentant. Someone had to be a tax collector. Someone had to do the job. It might as well be me. And is that okay? Is Christ allowed to enter into the house of someone who isn't yet repentant? Absolutely. He does it every day. Well, then what happened? After he entered the house of this man, he repented. And it was like crazy. Half my goods I give to the poor. Who says that? Half of my goods I give to the poor? Are you nuts? And if I cheated anyone, I return it fourfold. Are you crazy? It's crazy. And Saint Macarius captures this exact notion when he says, now if a man were constantly experiencing those marvelous things, and they were always experientially present to him, he would not be able to preach a word. He would only sit in a corner lifted up and intoxicated. So he says, when you really experience God, you feel intoxicated. In fact, one of St. Macarius's homilies, he has 50 homilies. One of the books that published his homilies is called, Intoxicated with God. And that's exactly what we see today. Someone who's acting drunk. So let's look at the order of events because it's very important. Christ entered into a very sinful man's house, the tax collector's house. And when Christ left, Zacchaeus says, I give away half my goods to the poor. So it's a complete 180. A man who ruthlessly stole from the, po- from the poor and ruined their lives, now recklessly gives to the poor. It's a complete 180. It's the exact opposite of what was happening before. And so when Zacchaeus climbed the tree, he was just curious about this guy. And we just agreed that maybe he didn't see his sin very clearly and certainly not Christ's glory. And Christ came into this sinner's house and ate with him. And then he repented. St. Macarius again captures this notion. He says, just as iron or lead or gold or silver is thrown into the fire, will be melted and transformed from its natural hardness to a soft substance. So while Zacchaeus was away from Christ, his his heart was like a hard piece of metal. You know, if you take a piece of metal and you try to bend it, you hit it with a hammer, it doesn't bend. It's too hard. The only way you can bend metal is you have to heat it. And when you heat it with fire, it becomes liquid and it becomes malleable and then it changes. And so what St. Macarius is saying is you can't just bend something that's hard. You have to melt it with God's love. And once it melts, it's very malleable. And that's exactly what David the prophet says. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So sinful man, Then Jesus comes in, and then he repents. And so the question we all have to ask is, and sometimes we hear things like this, do I need to get clean before I take a shower? No, you take a shower in order to become clean. And that's what meeting Christ is like. Did the world have to get sanctified before Christ was born? No, Christ came into the darkness of the world to sanctify it. And so there is no level of righteousness we need to achieve at the church. I don't need to pretend to be someone else at church because I need to seem more righteous because only good people are at church. I don't need to be clean before I walk into the shower. I don't need to be well before I walk into the hospital. That's what this place is for. We sometimes hear that certain people don't deserve to be at church. They shouldn't be here. They shouldn't come. They're too sinful. They're bad. They're going to corrupt the rest of us. It seems like those exact same people were there in the story at Christ's time. Because the gospel says today, when they saw it, they all complained and murmured, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. So it seems like the same people that, you know, judge around church, were standing right next to Christ at the same moment. And as soon as he walked into Simon's, into Zacchaeus's house, they said they started murmuring against Jesus. And what does the people's murmuring tell us? We see that these people have a very limited view, one that we often adopt. Because when you enter into someone's house who's known to be a sinner and evil, it means one of two things. You're either evil as well, so you want to join in the evil with them, or at least you agree with what they're doing And you're willing to look the other way i mean those are the two options right so from the outside the judgment seems fairly easy and straightforward whenever you're with someone who is doing something wrong then you're either there to participate or there to condone and that's what it seems like but christ today gives us a third option maybe you enter into his house to save him from sin and that's exactly what Christ said at the last verse of today's gospel. He says, for the son of man came to seek and to save the, those who are lost. So it isn't about participating, it isn't about condoning, it's about saving. And so today as the Jews start judging, how can a good man enter a bad man's house? How can the, be, how can the good be united with the evil like that? It's simple, light always defeats darkness. St. Faustina has this beautiful quote. He says, let no one doubt concerning the goodness of God. Even if a person sins or as dark as night, God's mercy is stronger than our misery. And that's so true. In the chapel, I'm sure many of you visited the chapel, we have an icon of St. John the Short. He's easy to spot. And St. Paisa, that was a joke because he's short. And he's standing next to St. Paisa. And there's a a reason why we put St. John the Short right next to St. Paisa. St. Paisa ran a house of prostitution. And so St. John the Short went into the house of prostitution and she was the main provider. And he walked into her house of prostitution. And it says he sat on the bed next to her and he talked to her. And he talked her out of that life. And you can imagine, this is exactly what Christ did today. He went right into the man's house, and he saved him from sin. And so sometimes we have this excessive desire to protect ourselves, protect our children, isolate ourselves from the world, keep ourselves from all the influences of all the bad people that are out there, yet Christ doesn't tell us to do stuff like that. And sometimes the, you have these questions that, that run around. Am I supposed to go to a party if people get drunk? Am I allowed? Am I allowed to go to a gay wedding? Can I enter into a wedding reception where there's dancing? And so first of all, the approach of the question isn't really Christian. We don't think in terms of what is allowed and not allowed. What is haram and halal, that isn't Christian. St. Paul says, all things are lawful to you, but not all things are helpful. His eminence was recently asked about whether it was okay to attend a gay wedding. And he answered beautifully, and he said, why do you want to go? And this is the same lesson we learned from today's gospel. Is it to participate? Is it to condone? Or is it to bring light and love? And so many people in our community love to murmur, love to judge, Say, you shouldn't go there, you shouldn't go to that place or be with that person. Now, of course, it's one thing not to put yourself in a position you can't handle. It's one thing to try to protect your children from stuff that's above their level. That's just wisdom and discernment, and that should always be done. But it's another to think it's a sin to simply be with a sinner, to talk with them, to associate with them, to spend time with them. This isn't our Christian faith. I'm called to be the image and the likeness of my savior that I read about today. And we are called to be the light of the world, not to be huddled around our little church and to be little light in our subculture, scared of the outside world, scared to go out there. That's a cult. And it's a big difference between that and the church. So my final point, in this story, which character am I? Who am I in the story? Can I be Zacchaeus? the man who is spiritually short, lacking, who wants Christ to come into his life so that I can offer a sincere repentance? Sure, that would be great. But can I also be like Christ, the one who can be light and enter into the darkness of people's lives and to bring some hope, compassion, acceptance, and dignity? Sure. But sadly, can I also be like the people that stand around and murmur? Can I be the people that see the sinful person and one, not help them, and two, judge those who do try to help them. We all start out like Zacchaeus, but hopefully, after we have Christ enter our lives, we get the compassion of Christ, and we become like him. If you can't be the first two, don't be the third. Don't be like the people who stand around and murmur against everyone else. We're called to stand shoulder and sh- shoulder to shoulder with those who are marginalized. I'll read you a speech given by Father Greg Boyle, and I'll end. I had to edit it slightly. I was at a given at a graduation ceremony. He says, the great Martin Luther King once said about church, it's not the place you've come to, it's the place you go from. Say that again. Church isn't the place you go to, it's the place you come from. And you go from here to create a community of kinship. Now he uses the word kinship a lot. That word means connection, understanding, empathy, a bond, a relationship. Okay, so that's this kinship word. So we go from here to create a community of kinship such that God in fact might recognize it. In fact, this is God's dream come true. No us and them, just us. And you imagine with God a circle of compassion And then you imagine nobody standing outside that circle. And you know that God does not share in the demonizing in which we all engage. And so as you go from here, the church, you dismantle the barriers that exclude and you go out into the margins because that's the only way they'll get erased. And I'll just stop there. That's exactly what Christ did today. He went out into the margins in order to erase them. If you stand out at them and you stand with the poor and the powerless and the voiceless and you stand with those whose dignity has been denied and you stand with those who, whose burdens are more than they can bear, you go from here to stand with the demonized so the demonizing will stop and you stand with the disposable so that the, the day will come when we stop throwing people away for no kinship and no, there's no peace, no kinship, no justice, no kinship, no equality, You go to the margins not to make a difference because that's about you. You go to the margins so that the folks at the margin make you different. And I'll end with what we said about Christ. A smoldering wick he would not quench. And today's the the story of the smoldering wick of Zacchaeus. May the Lord grant us all to be like Zacchaeus and to be like Christ and give us compassion in our hearts and glory be to God forever. Amen.